share a couple of our original songs with you guys right now. And you guys mind if I just brag on Jesus for a minute? Would that be all right? I hope so. I mean, I'm at church, so I'm going to do it whether you like it or not. But no, uh, just if we can share a little of our testimony and brag on our Savior. You know, God has just been doing some incredible things in our lives. And it really started for us about 10 years ago. And 10 years ago, my wife Allegra was a fifth grade school teacher at a public school. I was an administrator at a Christian school. My dad, Vic, who's with us today, uh, was a construction worker. And we just started feeling this burden on our hearts from God like we had never felt before. How many of you guys know that when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that he sends his Holy Spirit to guide and direct your life? Anybody? And so you, you know what I'm talking about. So we felt this burden, this urgency from God's Holy Spirit that we were supposed to live our faith in a different way. And so we prayed and we fasted for many, many months just seeking God very fervently. And at the end of that time of fasting, we felt very convicted with a very simple message that we had gotten from God. And the word that we believed we got from God was stop wasting time. Stop wasting time. I don't know about you guys, but I believe we're in the last days right now. I believe that Jesus is coming again soon. I believe we need to live like we're in the last days. And so when we got that word from the Lord, we took it very literally. And in June of 2009, we stepped aside from our jobs and we just went out on the road and we started sharing Jesus with everybody we could. And we didn't know it, but God was going to send us places we never expected to go. <laughs> uh, immediately after our first two months, just leaving our jobs, going out and sharing Jesus anywhere we could, God opened the door for us to do prison ministry. And he sent us to prison for following Jesus in a good way. But we, we went into prisons all throughout Texas, then Louisiana. Now we do prison ministry from coast to coast all over the country. Uh, God opened the door for us to do recovery ministry uh, with missions organizations like Teen, Ch Teen Challenge, if you've ever heard of that. We do Teen Challenge, Mission Teen Bible Training Center all over the country, a lot of drug recovery, stuff like that. And that's primarily where we go. You know, any place God opens the door, street corners, wherever we can share about Jesus, that's what we do. And I'm sharing this with you right now, not just to brag on our ministry and what we're doing, but just to encourage all of us, when whatever capacity God has given us, let's live loud for him, amen? Let's be aggressive with the gospel. And so the song I want to share with you right now is just about our step of faith. This song's called Names and Labels. And when we told people back in 2009 when the economy was tanking uh, that we were going to quit our jobs and aggressively share Jesus, there were a lot of people that didn't get it. <laughs> it didn't make sense. And we were called a lot of names by other people, <laughs> some that we would never repeat in church. Uh, but this song right now is one that is basically a compilation of a lot of the names we've been called for living for Jesus. So hope you enjoy it. And this is going to be the Jesus rated version. I'm not going to say some of the names we were called. So hope you enjoy it. This is called Names and Labels.
Next song's My Hero, it's the Red Slides, if you can get to work. By the way, give a hand for the sound, the media yeah. people. They don't get enough of positive Thank attention. You. Thank you very much. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Thank yeah, you. when the, the sound and media people are so important, people only mess, notice like when something's not there. <laughs> we're like, we're the worst. It's like totally not right. <laughs> but anyway, thank you guys for yeah. your help today. Really thank appreciate you. it. Hey, well, anyway, we want to share a new song with you. We've been blessed. We just recorded a new album and just start a little humble pitch for our glowing guitar case uh, table out there. Uh, anything you get there helps us with our ministry and what we do. Uh, we just recently purchased a motorhome and we go all over the country with our four little ones, uh, just sharing Jesus anywhere we can. So, uh, but this song we wrote is one that's just honestly a worship song. This song we wrote called My Hero. And uh, what inspired this song was this uh, last year, I don't know if any of y'all remember this, but there was a big incident that happened in Thailand over on the other side of the world. And there was a soccer team of young boys and they were uh, exploring a cave with their soccer coach. Does anybody remember this? And they went into this cave and this monster storm came out of nowhere and it flooded the whole cave system. And for some reason, the news thought everybody in the world should know about these kids starving to death, dying in the back of a cave. And this came up on the news. And I remember when I first heard it, it just broke my heart. And now that I have four kids of my own, it's like it hits you a little differently. You can relate differently to that. And so I just prayed. And I know people all over the world were praying for them. And for some reason, God moved on the hearts of people. He showed grace. He didn't have to, but he did. And people from all over the world were stirred to do everything they could to rescue these kids. And I remember there were diving experts from all over the world rallying together, people donating money, doing all they could, even people from the United States doing all they could to save these kids. 
And what was amazed me after this whole ordeal happened and, and you know, and in that attempt to save them, which ultimately succeeded, praise the Lord, they saved all those kids and their coach. But through that process, one man actually died. One person gave up his life in that attempt to rescue them. And when this happened, it just hit me. That's what Jesus has done for us. He loved us so much that when the rest of the world could have looked at us, thought, oh, you know what, Jesus, God has plenty of sheep. He doesn't need that person that bad. God looked at us and said, he loves, I love you and you're worth it. You're worth to the point of giving up my own life for you. And if that doesn't show you a picture of what real love is, I don't know what will. But that's what God has done for us. And so hope you enjoy this song. It's a brand new song. This is called My Hero. been done for me. Oh, 
by someone I hadn't met yet. That's what's been done for me. La 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 la. la. That's what he's done for me. All right, we got one more song we're going to do this morning uh, before we get into God's Word. And this, again, is one of our brand new songs, and it's actually a song that Vic wrote, and this is just an incredible uh, song, I believe. Uh, it just uh, has so much truth in it. And so I'm going to let him share about this song and introduce it to you. So please give a hand for my dad, Vic, as he shares this. Um, this is a song we kind of laughingly call uh, uh, The Hillbillies Slant on Ecclesiastes. <laughs> um, we come from southern Missouri, southeast Missouri. It's a lot like here, but a little less snow, a lot more hills. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I guess the reason we say that is some of the stuff I write tends to turn a little more country even than I want it to. But uh, it's just the whole idea that, you know, it, it doesn't matter. I was talking to Tim last night. He was saying, uh, you know, talking about maybe being an engineer and things like that. And I was thinking all these neat, goals and ideas that we have and uh they're all great but unless you come to the feet of jesus they don't make any sense at all you know it's just it's a fast track to nowhere you know and that's what this is about it's called cradle to the grave i've got a bucket full of money but it don't mean nothing because i know i'm well another day is coming when things like that won't mean a thing to me But now the screen door slamming And the bills keep coming And the car keeps breaking Sometimes I feel like running away This ain't the way it was meant to be I keep on thinking about the way This world keeps turning It seems so hard with the plan so I got a bucket full of worries, but they don't mean nothing, cause I'm pretty sure the end will soon be coming. And things like this won't mean a thing to me. But for now, I'm rising at four in the morning. I got so much to do, even though the day is starting. This ain't the way it was meant to be. I keep on thinking about the so far from the plan 
God is good. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to go ahead and get right into God's word this morning. Uh, I am so, so honored to get to come and just share our life with you guys, our ministry, a little what we do. But more than anything, I'll be honest, I am blessed to get to share God's word with you all today. You know, I love sharing our music. I love worshiping Jesus. I love sharing our testimony. But I'll tell you what, my passion more than anything else in this world is the word of God, because this is where life change happens. Amen. If we go and we confront ourselves with God's perfect and holy word and we allow it to soak in, it can transform us. And that's what we have seen all over this country in various memories, but um, various uh, places I got distracted. The kids can be dismissed. It's late, but there you go. So you're dismissed. So I wrote a note to say that and I still didn't say it. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, but I love God's word because we have seen it just impact and change lives like nothing else can. And so if you would open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 11. This is going to be uh, a very short message this morning. It's going to be verses 11, 12, and 13. So we're just going to look at three scriptures today. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 11. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 11. And while you are flipping over and open to that, still I see some pages still going. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we just love you. We adore you. We thank you for this morning, God. We thank you for all that you're doing at this church, God. And uh, God, right now, just all that you're doing in our lives. And I pray right now we would just open our hearts 
to hear from you. God, help us not just to be another day, another thing we do, but God, help us to realize if we'll open our hearts, God, and our minds to your word, God, that you have a desire to transform us and to take us a place in our life we never thought we could be. So God, help us to have, just listen to your word in faith and may it change us. And God, I pray as we speak this morning, as we share today, God, that this wouldn't be me speaking and my opinions and ideas, God, but it would be your word and your Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts what you wanna say. We just ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So Matthew chapter five, verse 11, it says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So to give you the context of what's going on in the scripture right here, this is uh, part of one of Jesus's message. You guys are mostly church people, so you probably know all of God's word or a lot of it. But this is a message commonly known as the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes. The first part of this is known as the Beatitudes, if you've heard of that. And the Beatitudes are one of just the most incredible and most memorable passages in scripture for a variety of reasons. But one reason is it just takes the world as we know it and flips it on its head. <laughs> Give you some examples. Earlier in the Beatitudes, Jesus starts out this sermon, this message, in uh, chapter 5, verse 3. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, think about it. Have any of y'all ever felt poor in your spirit before, just absolutely depressed, beat up inside over something? Guess what? If that's you, then according to God's word, we're blessed. We're at a place where God can truly reveal to us what his kingdom is, his, what he has for us, if we'll open our hearts to it. Awesome thing. Right after that, in verse 4, it says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Any of y'all ever experienced a time of loss in your life, a time of deep, just uncontrollable mourning? That's a horrible thing, right? But guess what? According to God's word, when we're in those times, it can be turned around to a good thing. It's at those times of deep brokenness and mourning, that God's Holy Spirit shows up. <laughs> and that when it talks about being comforted, that's what it's referring to is the comforter, the Holy Spirit pouring into our lives. And so if you read all the Beatitudes, I encourage you to do it. They're just all these life-changing, awesome things like this. But Jesus wraps up all these Beatitudes, all these encouraging statements with this final one in verse 11, where he says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Blessed are you when people persecute you, when they slander you, when they falsely say things against you because of me. Wow. <laughs> Man, have any of y'all ever been falsely accused before? Any of y'all ever been slandered? Did you feel good afterwards? No, right? And yet the Bible says we're blessed. I have to be honest with you. I love, love, love God's word. But there are certain scriptures that I read in the Bible, and they're, just for, they're honestly hard for me to accept. And this scripture was always one of those for me. I'm just going to be open and vulnerable with you right now. The most deep, darkest, depressing time that I've ever experienced in my life as a Christian was in my early 20s when I had some people accuse me of some things that were just flat out absolutely not true. Some things that degraded my character. And when this was accused against me, people around me believed it. And I want to tell you, if there was any time in my life where I literally honestly got on my knees and I prayed, God, I'm praying right now, you would take my life. God, I can't deal with this. I want to die. It was that moment when I was slandered, when I was falsely accused, 
when I was persecuted, and essentially because of my faith. And yet the Bible says we're blessed when we're persecuted for him. Just to kind of compare this to something else we might be able to relate here. Um, many of you might remember that not too long ago, uh, we went through a process with our government where we were trying to appoint a new Supreme Court justice. Y'all remember this? This last year. And uh, don't worry, I'm not going to get political and freak people out. This isn't my point. But I think that this situation really ties to what we're talking right now. And we had the Supreme Court justice. And they thought he was going to go uh, be confirmed very easily. He went through the Senate Judiciary Committee without a lot of issues, went through the whole process. And right before they took the vote, you might remember that a woman came forward and accused him of doing some absolutely horrible things to her when they were both teenagers. And when this came out, everybody was like, whoa, you know, so they, they put the vote on hold. And then if you remember right after that, when they put the vote on hold, another lady came forward and accused him of doing something just like it. And then a few days after that, a third woman came forward and accused him of doing these absolutely horrible things. And I remember when this was going on, everybody, you know, the media was like freaking out, going crazy about it. And everyone was saying, well, if this is true, this guy shouldn't be on the Supreme Court. Nobody knew what to do. And it all went through this giant mess. And finally, at the end of it, when they finally took the vote and he got confirmed like by one or two votes, barely made it on the Supreme Court. I remember immediately days after that, one of the women that accused him of all this stuff came forward and openly admitted she made the whole thing up <laughs> for no other reason than she didn't like him and she didn't want him on the Supreme Court. And yet now this guy is going to live the rest of his life with an asterisk next to his name because maybe something happened, maybe it didn't. And partly because he was falsely accused, at least in part by someone, right? And yet the Bible says when it comes to us and our faith, we're blessed in those times. Now, how can that be true? Well, fortunately, the Bible gives us the answer. And in verse 12, it says, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus basically gives us three reasons we can trust in him during these times. The first thing he says is rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Guess what? God has a reward for us. Amen. That if we stand strong for him, for him, he's going to bless us in one way or another, whether it is in heaven, God, he has a reward for us. And I want to tell you what God has stored up for us is so much greater than the world can do to us during this time we're right here. Man, it, it changes everything. Everything here comparably is light and momentary compared to the riches and surpassing glory we have in Christ Jesus. Amen. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that it says, great is our reward in heaven. What that reminds me of is the fact that we have heaven to look forward to, amen? We have eternity. If you take everything that we can go through in this life and you compare it to what eternity looks like, it's just a little blip on the radar screen. Just a tiny little time. And yeah, it's meaningful. But when you shine it against eternity and what we have with eternal life with Jesus, it doesn't compare third reason we can rejoice and be glad is it says, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Guess what? When you stand up for Jesus Christ, when you lose job opportunities because of your sincere faith in Jesus, when you don't get to have the same friends that you used to because you live for Jesus, when you're outcast, when you're called names because of your faith in Jesus, guess what? 
God looks down from heaven, and I believe he looks at us, and he says, hey, that's one of my guys down there. <laughs> that's one of my girls. The same way he looks at Moses and Elijah and Noah and these mighty men of God, that's the way he looks at us. We're in good company, amen? When we stand up for Jesus, we are in good company. And it says, if Jesus is saying all this, to prelude to this next verse that we're going to read right now, verse 13, which is what this whole message is built around. And it says, if he's leading up and saying, in light of all this hardship, you may endure by living sincerely for me. This is the kind of people I want you to be. And he says in verse 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Jesus says, in light of all this we might endure for living our faith, we need to be the salt of the earth. The salt of the earth. Now, why did Jesus choose to say we are salt? Because <laughs> he could have used a lot of different things to compare Christians to, right? You know, he could have said, hey, you know, you Christians, you are like that sugar, you know, that perfect, refined, you know, Krispy Kreme donut sugar of this world. You know, you're just going to coat it and make it right the way it ought to be. <laughs> he didn't. He could have said, hey, you know, I was in Louisiana not too long ago. He said, you know, you, you Christians, you're like that Louisiana hot sauce of the world. You're just going to make things, you know, flavored right and, and, and just complete the world. <laughs> he could have said, you know, for any of you health freaks out there, I'm a little health freak myself. I know I, I have some healthy people that I'm good friends with here. And, uh, you know, Jesus could have said, you know, you Christians, you're like that multi-complete, gluten-free, yet multi-grain at the same time vitamin that the world needs to be complete. But instead, he said, you're the salt of the earth. Now, why did he say that? And I was thinking about it, and all these cool ideas came to my mind, and I had some good ideas. I, I was actually going to preach on that. But you know what? What I did instead after praying about it, I got out the Bible, and I honestly literally went from cover to cover, Old Testament, New Testament, and I read every single place in the Bible where the word salt occurred <laughs> because I wanted this to be God's ideas and not my idea this morning. And I, as I read through the Bible and I kept reading about salt, I saw consistently throughout the whole Bible three characteristics, three consistent characteristics of salt throughout the whole Bible. And the first one is the fact that salt represents something that endures. Salt is a preservative, right? Well, throughout the Bible, salt represents something that endures, something that always lasts. To give you an example, um, let me look at my notes but in 2 Chronicles chapter 13, there's a story about a king named Abijah. And he was a like great, 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 great grandson of David. He was a descendant of David. And he is in a situation, this king's in a situation where his country is being invaded by an army twice his size. Um, his army has 400,000 troops. The army coming against him has 800,000. And King Abijah stands between these two armies and he rallies his troops and he shouts out at the enemy that essentially they're going to win this because God has made an enduring covenant of salt with my forefather David. And what he was appealing to the fact to, what he was appealing to was the fact that God had made a promise to David, his forefather, that somebody from his line, one of his kids would always be on the throne 
in Jerusalem. And what that ultimately was, was a prophecy of Jesus, that Jesus, that the Messiah would come from the line of David. And Abijah had enough sense to know that he was that link between David and the Messiah. And he knew God wasn't going to break his promise right then. And he appealed this enduring covenant of salt. So salt represents something that endures. The second thing that I saw about salt all throughout the Bible, and we'll talk about all these a little more in just a bit here. But the second thing that I saw throughout the Bible is that salt is a cleanser. It purifies, it refines. For example, in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 4, there's a vision and an illustration given of when a newborn baby was born. The first thing that was supposed to be done to that new baby is give it a salt wash. They would clean the baby with salt. It was their antiseptic of the time. Even today, you know, if, if you're allergic to chemicals and stuff like that, like I am, you know, I can't use a lot of normal soaps, then you can use salt as a cleanser. It's an effective cleaner. You can use it to wash your pots and pans. It works. It gets the job done. If you get a cut in your arm and you don't want to put antibiotic cream on it, you can put salt in the wound to clean it. It hurts, but it gets the job done right? It works. It's an effective cleaner. That's what salt is. It cleanses. Talk about that more later. The second, third thing, the last thing about salt, and this is the easy one, the good one, is that salt is a flavoring. It brings out the good. Uh, give me an example. Uh, back before I married my wife, Allegra, and she took over the cooking for our family, I was a pretty good cook myself. I was a great chef. And sometimes I would cook some awesome meals like oatmeal, <laughs> Occasionally, I might pull out some cookies or something like that. But I remember the very first time when I made oatmeal, and I literally got that cylinder container, and I read the back, the instructions for making oatmeal, because I had no idea how to do it. And I remember reading an instruction, and somewhere on that instruction, so I was supposed to put this itty-bitty bit of salt in while I was making oatmeal. And I read that, I'm like, that's not important. <laughs> so I tried it, I left it out. One time, I put it back in. You know what that salt somehow made a difference? It was like that little bit of salt somehow made it sweeter. Couldn't believe that, but it did. Salt's like that. It brings out the good. It, it brings out the best and things. In the Bible, in Colossians chapter 4, it says as we present the gospel, we should do it with our speech seasoned with salt and with gentleness. So we're going to talk about these things more in a moment. But after this, after Jesus says we're supposed to be the salt, he says a very interesting thing. And I want you to read it with me again in verse 13. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but if... The salt loses its saltiness. How can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Jesus says that if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Jesus talks about salt losing its saltiness. Now, this is a peculiar thing because salt in and of itself in its pure form cannot lose its saltiness. It is scientifically impossible. If you go to Walmart and you buy some of that Morton's Umbrella Girl salt and you put it in your pantry for 5, 10, 15 years, you take it out and taste it, you know what it's going to taste like? Salt. It's not going to become unsalty. It's still going to taste like salt. In fact, scientifically, salt is one of the most chemically stable compounds in our atmosphere. It can't become unsalty. So why would Jesus say, if salt loses its saltiness, because clearly God knows a little bit about chemistry, right? You know, so why would he say that? And to understand this, you have to understand the context of the time. And at that point, believe it or not, people didn't go to Walmart or whatever grocery store and buy perfect refined salt, but people literally gathered salt from naturally occurring salt deposits 
on the face of the earth. For example, the Dead Sea, if you've heard about that, at that time there was a lot of natural salt deposits on the ground. People would walk around and they'd see this pretty white sand and now and then they see some white sand look a little different and they'd dig it up and they'd be like, oh yeah, that's salt. So they gather up and they put it in their containers and yeah, maybe it had a little dirt in it, but for the most part it was salt. And they take it and they'd, you know, salt in the markets, they use it for seasoning their meats, whatever they needed for, right? But what would happen is over the course of time, after humidity would get into it or rain, water, whatever, would get into this, sometimes that salt would dissolve, work its way to the bottom, and one day they go up and they scoop up some of that salt off the top and they taste it and they'd be like, oh, that tastes like dirt. Because <laughs> that's what was left on the top was the dirt that was mixed in with it. So they would take this dirt salt and they go and they cast it out because it wasn't good for anything. But check this out. Anywhere they threw it, like if threw it in their gardens or in their yards, guess what? Nothing would grow in it. There was just enough salt left to hinder life. So they take this dirt salt and they go and they cast it out on the streets where they didn't want anything to grow and it would be trampled on by men. Do you guys get where I'm going with this? If we as Christians allow our faith to become diluted or polluted by other things, then instead of bringing the life of Jesus to others, we're turning people away. People look at us with our compromised, mixed up faith and they think, if that's all Jesus could do for them, I could do better than that. And we turn people away by our polluted and diluted faith. So with all this being said, what I wanna do with the rest of this message right now is give us all a little salt test, if you will. <laughs> give us a chance to look at our own life and ask ourselves, are we being the people that God has called us to be? And I wanna go through each of those characteristics of salt very quickly and compare them to our own life. And the first one is the fact that salt represents something that endures. I want to ask you, are you causing the gospel of Jesus Christ to endure in this culture around you? Right now in this world where the TV, the media, the cell phones, everything is doing all it can to pull us away from God's word and its truth. Are you causing God's word to endure in this world around you? Let me give you some practical ways you can do that. Are you being bold in your faith? Are you speaking up for righteousness? Are you sharing God's word in public when you have the opportunity? Are you praying? Guys, we don't serve a make-believe God. <laughs> but when we pray and we fervently seek him, God responds. He shows up and he can change situations through our prayers. Give you another practical way we can be the salt, where we can cause God's word, his truth to endure, I believe is by using our American God-given right to vote that we have in this country. I know again, people say, oh, that's politics. You know, it's religion, can't mix it. Guys, I believe if we won't stand up and vote on godly principles and godly values, we're basically saying to this world around us, you guys can just rot. Guys, for me, one of the main motivating reasons I vote and always vote, honestly, is the issue of abortion. Guys, I believe abortion is a Holocaust of our culture right now. And just like you had churches in Nazi Germany where there were people dying in gas chambers and churches right next door worshiping Jesus on a Sunday morning, we have the same thing happening in this country right now. Except we're not ignorant of it. Anybody who wants to know 
can. Guys, let's stand up and in every way possible, let's preserve God's word in this culture. Amen? Cause it to endure. Second thing about salt is that salt is a cleanser. It purifies. Guys, are you allowing God to use you to change and cleanse the environment around you? Are you letting God use you to change the environment around you? Give me an example. We go out and we do a lot of street ministry, a lot of homeless ministry all over this country. And we have found many, 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 many times we'll go out into a situation where we can literally honestly see drug deals happening around us, where there's prostitution taking place, where there's all the sin. And we'll go and we'll just start talking to people. We'll start sharing our faith, start praying, share a worship song in public and that environment changes. It's as if God's spirit goes with us and impacts that. God can do that with every one of us right now. If we'll let him, whether it's going to our work, going to the store, talking to whoever, we can let God's spirit go and cleanse and impact that environment around us. Amen? Are you letting God use you to change the environment around you? Third thing, last thing, and this is the good one, all right? God's word is a flavoring, right? (laughs) God's word brings out the good. I wanna ask you, Are you letting God use you to bring out the good in the world around you? Guys, I'm from Missouri. You guys are from Iowa. You got lots of corn, so that means you got lots of deer, right? (laughs) We do a little bit of deer hunting back home, and I like to shoot deer, not to put their heads on the wall, but I like to eat them. We live in the winter a lot off of venison we kill and stuff like that. And uh, you guys know what the number one thing you do to get that gamey taste out of deer meat? The basic fundamental thing you do is salt soak on the meat. Because when you soak it in salt, it brings out the gamey flavor, it brings out the good flavor, right? Same thing with us in our faith. We can bring out the good in those around us. Give you an example. When we were recording our new album not long ago, which we love this album, we feel like God's anointings all over it, best thing we've done so far. But when we were in studio recording this new album, I remember on some of our songs, we kind of had the revelation, we want more than just our little upside down clock drum. It's over here now, there it is, that we play. And we wanted a real drum kit to drive some of our songs. And so our producer called in a studio drummer, a friend of his, and when he walked into the room, the first words he spoke out of his mouth were F, this nasty F word, um, blah, 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 and all these other horrible words that came out of his mouth right after it. And we were like, oh my goodness. This guy has no idea that we are a Christian band. (laughs) And he comes in and we just let him settle down. Apparently he had a bad day at work. And he came in and and then I started talking to him. And I just started asking him about himself and he asked us about what we did. And I told him how 10 years ago we went out in faith and how we've been seeing people healed and seeing God do all these awesome miracles in people's lives. And he got real interested. And you know, as I was talking to him, all this good started coming out of this guy. He started, you know, he started talking about his little girl. He had a little girl. He loved her to death, worked hard, wanted to be a good father to her. You know, he wanted to see justice and good in the world. And it was as I was talking to him, just being who I was, sharing my faith, is it was bringing out what God put in him, the good that was in him, and giving me an opportunity to witness to him. Guys, let's let God do that with us, amen? Let him use you to bring out the good in others. When the light of Jesus shines from us, the darkness around us diminishes. So I want to close this right now. Thank you for your time. God's word is good, amen? And I want to just close this with a couple questions, some things to think about to make it personal. And the first one 
is this. It's right now, what if you've listened to what this means to be a Christian, to be the salt of the earth, and you can look at your own life right now and you can honestly say, that's not me. What if you're not? What if you're not being who you know he's called you to be? And the second question, follow up with that then, if that's true, then is there any hope? Because the Bible says the result of that is you are going to be thrown out and trampled by men. That doesn't make us feel good, but that's the truth. That's what the word says. I can't change it. So is there any hope? And the answer is absolutely yes. Where we can't, God can, amen? And if there's one thing I've seen going all over this country from coast to coast sharing God's word is God's unique and amazing ability to take even the most compromised and messed up life and turn it around to something good and amazing. Last question. This is the take it home and think about it question. This is what we're going to close with. What impurities do you personally need to have removed from your life? What impurities do you need removed from your life? Is it misplaced passions or desires you might have? Is it ungodly language? Words that come in your mouth you know don't glorify God. Is it active sin? Things you know that in God's word, they are wrong, but you do it anyway. Is it websites you go to on your cell phone that you know you shouldn't? Magazines you might look. You fill in the blanks. But here is the irony. (laughs) Is it's not the slandered prophet who's going to be trampled on by men but it's the impure and deluded Christian who will be. So my challenge for you this morning, let's be very salty salt, amen? (laughs) Let's stop wasting time and let's boldly be the people God's created us to be, amen? And let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word, for how rich it is. And God, I pray that you would just speak to us, God. Help us to be the salt that you've called us to be. Help us to find our life fully and completely in you. And God, I pray if there's anyone here this morning who knows that they are not being who you've created and be, that today would be the day that we surrender, we would accept the good news of what Jesus has done for us, God, and find our new life in you and you alone. We just love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, You know, now we're going to transition to a time of of remembering Jesus. And um, as we do every week, um, we break the bread, we take the cup as a way to remember what he has done for us. And uh, how awesome to be reminded of the hope that we have in Christ, that we who were far from him, not a part of God's family, um, can be brought near because of the fact that Jesus gave his life for us, that he did not uh, look to his own interests he looked to the interests of others, and uh, and he made that sacrifice for us. So we're gonna we're gonna play, um, we're gonna sing. Take a moment to reflect uh, on Jesus and what He's done, and um, you know we invite all who are believers to come up during the next song um, to take the bread and the cup and remember Him. Uh, let's pray together. Father God, how amazing and precious is this truth 
that Jesus died for us. That he went, he went into that dark place um, like the man uh, who died saving the, the children in a dark cave. That's what he did for us. And he paid that ultimate price. And Father, may you just refine us, renew us. Lord, if there's any sin that we need to confess this morning, we just pray that we would do that in your presence. And then come up, take the bread, take the cup, and be thankful for what he has done for us. Amen.